Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Welcome to The Jump. I'm Rachel Nichols, joined by NBA champ Richard Jefferson and 2008 finals MVP champ Paul Pierce. Basically, everyone on this show has a ring but me. But it's fine. I've totally come to terms with it, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Coming up, Ty Lue reportedly interested in that Nets head coaching gig. Would that be a good fit? Is there someone on this show who played for Ty Lue with Kyrie Irving, we could ask? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. First, though, I want to get to Jackie Mack's story on the Sixers that dropped this morning. In it, Sixers coach Brett Brown reveals he considered benching Ben Simmons for not attempting more jump shots. Here's a quote from Brown. I told Ben, if you aren't willing to shoot, then do I just bench you? Because I can do that. That was all discussed. I opted to take another path. I think only down the road will we be able to truly assess if it was the right one. In the meantime, he's a two-time All-Star, a kid that's gone from college four to an NBA point guard. His story is a pretty darn good one. Paul, do you think the Sixers would have been wise to actually bench Simmons in order to get him to shoot more threes? No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, players of his caliber only come around so often. He's already a legitimate All-Star in this league. Uh, he's getting better. But uh, some way, somehow, you're going to have to push his buttons in the shooting because I know he can knock down these shots. I see him pregame knocking down shots. He just refuses to shoot them in the game. So I don't think that's the way you go about it. But they just got to have a, a man-to-man, a heart-to-heart, and just say and ask each other, why? Why aren't you taking these shots? Because he knows that when the playoffs start, they, as they go deep in the playoffs, whenever that – to, whenever that's going to happen, that he's going to have to knock down some shots. But that's not the way really to go about it. Well, I, I disagree, Paul. I, I think you can say all the heart to hearts that you would like. Uh, you can say all that. But the answer is yes. Should he bench him? But now listen to this clearly when I say bench him. Greg Popovich, who Brett Brown is, is a disciple of him, he would bring a guy out of the game. Tell him, are you going to shoot that shot? Go sit down. And then 30 seconds later, he would bring him in. Now go shoot that shot. That's what they talk about benching. Taking him out of the game, sitting him down for a second, giving him a message, and then sending him back in there. It doesn't mean bench him for the fourth quarter. It doesn't mean bench him for a half or not start. That's not what it means. It means take him out of the game to tell him a message, sit him down, and then put him back in the game. Heart to hearts aren't going to work. or They haven't worked for the last few years. Is Ben Simmons a future Hall of Famer potentially if he keeps up at this rate? Yes. But sometimes taking a guy of the game, telling him something, then putting him back in the game as Greg Popovich, one of the all-time greats, has done to me and every player he's ever coached, I think that would probably be the best thing for Ben Simmons to let him know, like, hey, come out of the game, shoot the shot, and I'll go back in. Well, it'll be interesting if we ever start playing professional basketball again. Maybe he will try that. Ben Simmons, of course, was out with an injury. I'm pretty sure he's tried that already. Like, I'm pretty sure he's done that. I mean, at this point. I mean, when you talk about benching, that means, like, you're done for the fourth quarter. You're a liability. I'm sure coaches, all coaches do that. That's happened to me before, and I can shoot the ball. So I'm sure that's already happened. Yeah. Paul can shoot. There's no doubt about that. (laughs) All right, guys. 
According to the New York Daily News, Richard's former coach, Ty Lue, is interested in the Nets head coaching job. This would, of course, reunite Lue with Kyrie Irving, a key piece to the 2016 Cavs title team. So, Richard, do you think your former coach and former teammate would make it work in Brooklyn? Uh, you know, it depends on what the other options are. I, I think T, T, uh, Ty Lue is a great coach. Uh, Paul has had him as an assistant coach, and he's a great X's and O's guys. But, you know, you know, to make this seem like it's just about Kyrie or just about Kevin Durant, you know, they've had a, t- a tremendous amount of success there given the injuries and given their situations. But only Kyrie really knows what Kyrie is looking for. Do I think T. Lue is going to be a great coach and has this opportunity? Yes. But I, I I can't speak for Kyrie to say, oh, this would be a great pairing. But I, I think they've proven that they can be successful together. And it's about what Ty Lue, or what Ty Lue and Kyrie could come together as a compromise and figure out what's best. Ty Lue is an absolute great fit for anybody in the league. For one, I'm tired of the NBA recycling all these old coaches who's been in the league for 20, 30 years. You know, this new generation needs this new young blood, guys who've been in the NBA, a guy, you talk about a player who won as a, uh, a coach who's won as a player and a coach, uh, a guy who's well loved and well liked around the league, a guy who relates to the players, uh, he's a player's coach and, and I like to see more and more of that, uh, across the board in the league, uh, you know, especially from the younger generation. You know, I'm surprised we don't see more and more young, uh, retired NBA players get head coaching jobs. I mean, I just think it's a must for this generation. But Ty Lue, definitely, I think he'd be a great fit. Depending on your expectations, now, are they going to be a championship caliber team when, if you put Ty Lue in there and, and add KD, Kyrie Irving? Yes. Can they do it? We have yet to see. Or it has yet to happen. But uh great fit all the way around the board, I believe. Richard, you travel with the Nets a lot, doing broadcasting with them. What do you think is the best fit for that team overall? Well, again, I, I haven't really paid attention to who they've talked about because there's been a lot of change and a lot of shift and obviously being away from the team right now. But, you know, to echo what Paul says, there are so many great young coaches out there that deserves to opportunity. T. Lou is, to me, the number one young coach, even though he's not that young. I, I like to mess with him, but he he can coach. He can do all of that stuff. He has proven his track record. So, yes, d- do I think that T. Lou could coach this team? Do I think he could be successful with this? Yes, but I can't speak for Kyrie, and that's kind of what the question was. Do I think that him and Kyrie were would be a great match? No. Do I? Or, I don't know, but do I think that uh, T. Lou is a great coach and, and would be a good fit? Yes, I believe so also. Well, they certainly had their run-ins at times when Ty was coaching him in Cleveland, but they also had some really great moments together and worked really well together in a lot of ways. And there's some stuff floating around about, you know, is Ty really an X and O coach? You guys can both attest. You've both worked with him. That's he is stupid. an X and O coach. That's Absolutely, a, that's a dumb, right? that, those are dumb statements. T. Lou and Greg Popovich are the two best X and O coaches that I have played with in my entire wow. basketball career from high school all the way up until I retired. And Richard, you bounced around a lot. You played for a lot of coaches. I played for a lot of coaches. I played for a lot of coaches. So, so yes, I, I have quite a bit of experience. Coming up, I sat down with Steve Kerr to discuss the last dance and his perspective on a member as a member of that Bulls team. A little bit about the Warriors, too, in there. First, though, here are three distant replays from this date in NBA history. Enjoy. 
Boy, I tell you, Kobe Bryant going over Sabonis is not an easy thing. Wow. But he flew over him. And watch it again. I didn't think Bryant was going to try to dunk the ball. I thought he was just going to draw the foul. Here in the second. Off the pin down over Fisher. And here comes Tracy McGrady. Beat today. McGrady with a great ball fake on here. Oh! T-Mac is back. Everything has changed for the Houston Rockets because of this man with the ball. He's out of his way. He's giving it to everybody. And he gave a little to Giracek. Tracy McGrady dealing spades right now. Three on two for the Heat. Oh, James behind the back and finds Wade. What a move by LeBron James. Doug Collins calling for time. That was spectacular. It could be a routine drive to pick up the kids after school or an epic road trip across the country. No matter where your travels take you, we know those miles count. We're Marathon. We have over 5,700 stations across our great nation. Our people are working hard every day to provide you with quality top-tier gasoline to improve engine performance and fuel your life. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the camaraderie of the other bikers, a band of brothers, always there for you, rain or shine, to the amazing savings you get with Geico on your motorcycle insurance and accessories coverage all year round. But for Bucky Hornhill, it was one reason in particular. It was my helmet hair. I was born with helmet hair. I've tried to cut it a bunch of times, even buzzing it, but it immediately just goes back to helmet hair. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Just because the game we love is on hold doesn't mean it leaves us. All the hype, all the passion still remain. When you're a fan, you're never alone. NBA fans, we miss you. Can't wait to play in front of you guys again. We're in this together. The NBA on ESPN. Coming up next, it's our annual NFL Nation mock draft. Sports Center after at 5.30 with the PTI guys joining at 6. And we cap the day with another Sports Center at 11 Eastern after the decisive Game 5 of the 95 ALDS Yankees Mariners game. Sorry about that one, Producer Steve. And Sunday at 9 Eastern, it's the last dance chronicling the 97-98 Bulls quest for a six ring in eight seasons. And hey, I know a guy who was on that team. Welcome back to the jump, Steve Kerr. We always love when you're with us. And I got to say, move over Tiger King. Everyone is now talking about the last dance. (laughs) Did you ever think a year of your life would become a matter of national obsession two decades later? You know, it was one of the reasons we we all kind of agreed, even though it was Michael's decision to let the cameras behind the scenes 22 years ago. It was really up to Michael, but we all kind of agreed to it because we knew we were in the middle of this historic run. And we thought, you know what, it's really cool one day to look back on it. And here we are 22 years later. And it's amazing. It's, you know, to, to get such an inside look at our past and a lot of stuff I had forgotten about. Some of the stuff this documentary is showing, I think it's hard for a modern NBA audience to quite put together if Bob Myers said, I'm getting rid of Steve Kerr, whether he goes 82-0 and 0 or not. And Steph came out and said, that's my coach. I don't want to play for anyone else. The idea that the public would just be like, okay, I guess we're losing Steph and Steve Kerr. Right. 
it, it just it's hard to process for today's audience. Yeah, but um, you know, the public today, everybody would tweet about it, and those tweets would be retweeted, and then there'd be shows about the tweets and <laughs> the Instagrams, and and then it's you know all hell breaks loose. But this feels very that, personal. This part of your I'm, this I'm sorry about here, that, Rachel. Steve. Yeah, no, don't take it. Don't take it such <laughs> as such. Uh, but it's it was just such a different media environment back then, and and um, even though it was highly controversial at the time, um, even as a player on the team, just being there, it was kind of like this does feel like the end. You know, this does feel like this is this is kind of it. It's interesting what you say about the social media because there's a reverse also. We think about how every word Kevin Durant utters or Steph utters is put under the microscope. If that kind of scrutiny had been available when Michael Jordan was playing, do you think he'd be remembered differently? Well, I think he would have acted differently. You know, I think he would have adapted to uh, to the scrutiny uh, that he was facing. And make no mistake about it, he faced all kinds of scrutiny. It was just different. But I always will maintain that the reason he really went and played baseball was because he was fried uh, emotionally from the scrutiny that really only he felt. Just watching him by the time I got there and watching the life that he led compared to everybody else, it was insane. And so I think he, he had had enough and just stepped away for a little while and then came back and was ready to roll. Now, part of Sunday night's episodes that we just saw were about Scottie Pippen, how he was underpaid, underappreciated by a lot of people. For fans who are too young to have seen Scottie play and just think of him as this Michael Jordan sidekick, what's your best way to explain to them just how good Scottie actually was? Well, he was the the best defensive player uh, in the league uh, by far. But on top of all that, you know, I think this documentary is showing how how tough Michael was on on his teammates. Scotty was sort of uh, the counterbalance to that. He was the one who made us all feel comfortable and confident. He was beloved on that team. Uh, he was such an incredible teammate and, and an incredible player. And uh, it was just amazing to watch him uh, work every single night and, and to, to, to play with him. Being on the floor with him was so much fun. There's part of the documentary talking about how he elected to have a surgery that would make him miss the beginning of that last dance season as opposed to doing it over the summer. Was there resentment from other guys in the locker room about him doing that? No, not at all. In, in fact, you know, I thought it was interesting. We felt his frustration with him. You know, he, mm-hmm. he probably should have been the second highest paid guy in the NBA or definitely, you know, top five. Um, so we all felt for him. Nobody resented him for for um, for having that surgery later. We all just understood, all right, let's give him his space, and he's going to be there for the second stretch of the season for us. Well, he was certainly there when it counted. I want to talk about the current day situation. The Warriors are in a weird position where, for any lottery team, there isn't that much incentive to play out the rest of the season. You in particular, you already have the best odds at the number one pick for next year. You're not making the playoffs. Would you prefer the NBA just call it in terms of the season as opposed to trying to find a way to finish up later this summer and maybe knocking off next year's schedule off kilter as well? No, I I would really love to see some conclusion to this season if, 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 if it's possible, um, if people's health, um, you know, isn't compromised. Obviously um, that's the main thing. Can we find a way to do it where, 
nobody's at risk and we can have some competition that it will allow the teams that are clearly the best teams in the league to compete against each other. I know it's not the same thing, but if that's the best we can do um, at, at minimum, it would be great to be able to do that. And if it were to push next season's start time back a little bit, um, no problem. You know, we can do that. Um, it's not my department, um, but the league has talked about doing that anyway. Um, and with what's going on in the country right now, um, I think we have to be flexible. Well, Steve, maybe it should be your department. You're not doing anything right now. You can make the NBA schedule. <laughs> Thanks so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Rachel. Coming up, one of Steve Kerr's current players, Draymond Green, spoke quite candidly about the tensions surrounding Kevin Durant's free agency last season. That's up next on The Jump. It could be a routine drive to pick up the kids after school or an epic road trip across the country. No matter where your travels take you, we know those miles count. We're Marathon. We have over 5,700 stations across our great nation. Our people are working hard every day to provide you with quality top-tier gasoline to improve engine performance and fuel your life. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. You can catch a new episode of Detail this Sunday on ESPN+. Plus. In this new episode, Dennis Rodman analyzes Chicago's regular season win over Dallas on December 29th. That's when he had a modest, oh, I don't know, 27 rebounds. And tomorrow on ESPN and the app, we're showing two of Paul Pierce's favorite games, Celtics-Lakers Game 4 in 2008. That's at 7 Eastern. The Big Three overcoming the largest finals deficit since 1971. Then it's the anything is possible game six. Woo, that is going to be good. All right, let's switch gears to Draymond Green. He had some candid thoughts last night on Instagram. What should have happened was Kevin come out and say, hey, man, like. This is it. Like, this is it. Like, so let's let's do this or yep. this isn't it. You know what I'm saying? But you can't just leave an elephant in the room because what happened was the question came to us every day. Like, the, the Every time we spoke to the media, Clay and myself was asked about our contract. Every And it was strictly due to Kevin, you know, because while that was going on, Clay was saying, I want to be a warrior forever. Like, I want to be here. We started this thing. This is where I want to be. I'm saying, yo, I want to be here for my career. We started this. We built this. I want to finish my career here with the guys I started it with. And then you kind of had Kevin, like, I don't know what I'm going to do next year. Like, and it don't matter, but it does matter because you're not the only person that has to answer that question. And to be quite frank with you, you're honestly the last person that has to answer the question because you don't really say like you don't say much to the media. If anything, you tell them to shut the up. Draymond called Durant's free agency the elephant in the room as well last night. All of this was on that uninterrupted chat with Maverick Carter, a little gray in the beard there, Mav, and some Paul and Paul Rivera. Richard, what was your reaction to what Draymond said there? Draymond couldn't be any more wrong, and let me explain why. One, when they're asking 
Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, these guys are career warriors. So I, so their answer should be, this is what, and they've been so successful, I want to be there, we want to finish our career there. Kevin Durant came from Oklahoma City. So he has the ability to be a free agent. And yes, he, you're saying that he should have done that. The minute you start telling an individual what they should do about their life and about their career, that becomes unfair. Kevin Durant had the right and the ability to say, I want to see how the season goes and then I want to explore free agency and then I want to make a decision. Yes, can that become a distraction? Yes, but you have to be strong mentally and emotionally to say, only Kevin can answer that question. I want to be a warrior. We want Kevin Durant here, which they did. They said that. But then to go in and say that, well, it was the elephant in a room, and this is what he should have done. He should have told us that either this was done or that he was all in. That eliminates the opportunity for free agency. So I think for Draymond to come out and say this, I think it's wrong. I think it's unfair for how free agency should be handled by players that are in their free agency year. You can't say I'm in or I'm out. When you don't know. And I think that that's unfair and only Kevin Durant can answer that question. So I think it's extremely unfair for Draymond Green to say that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, Kevin Durant, he can make his decision whenever he wants to. But I could see why Draymond could be a little bit aggravated because he knows at the end of the day that Kevin Durant's decision really plays a part on what the Warriors would have did with him. Now, say if Kevin Durant says, all right, I'm coming back, that means they're going to sign him to a max contract, which means it affects Clay, maybe, or affects Draymond in their contract situation because both of them have looming contract situations coming up. So I can see where it could kind of aggravate him in some kind of way, wanting to know what type of decision is going to be made. Because if you notice, right after Kevin Durant left, Draymond got the extension. He, he, he resigned again. And so, you know, money had a lot to do with this at the end of the day. I mean, even though, you know, uh, Draymond said, yeah, there's an elephant in the room. And I, I can see why, because there was a, a big money situation coming up. The question I would want to know is if Kevin Durant chose to resign with the Golden State Warriors, would that have left Draymond on the outside looking in on contract situations, knowing that they have to sign it's Clay certainly- and eventually uh, Stephon Curry coming up? Well, yeah, well, no, it certainly would have had a domino. The bottom line is both things can be true, right? It can be true that Kevin Durant absolutely has the right to make his own decision when he wants to make it, shouldn't have to announce himself nine months ahead of time, shouldn't have to decide nine months ahead of time because maybe his decision was in part dependent on things that were going to happen throughout the season. But when you put the rest of your team in that position to exercise that right that KD absolutely had, it is going to create a ripple effect of conflict, especially when you do it year after year. And it was the multiple one-in-one sort of one-year option deals, they created a situation where when you would talk to some of the Warriors players, just in the background, they would feel as if they were constantly auditioning for Kevin Durant. Please will you stay? Please will you stay? Year after year. And that can have a weight on guys. Both things can be true. Rachel, the reason why they were auditioning for Kevin Durant is because Kevin Durant was the key to them being uh, a dynasty. They were going to be a great team. They were already a championship team, but he was the key to the dynasty. That's what put so much pressure on him and their team trying to make sure that he was happy. But to say, come out and say a LeBron James, a Kyrie Irving, a Kawhi Leonard needs to tell his teammates before uh, the season what he's going to do, that's unfair and that's not how free agency works. Yes. Yeah, right. no, I absolutely agree. Only more of this stuff to come. The jump returns tomorrow. Richard and Paul, thanks for being here.